us pray. Lord, we thank you for another day. We thank you for these little children that reminded all of us that when you look at us, you say, it is good. You designed us to know us, to, you designed that we could know you, you love us, and help us to remember that today as we talk about your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So this morning, usually I'm waiting for the screens to go up, so now I don't have to do that, so that's good. Uh, But it also, let me collect my thoughts here. Normally I'm doing that as the screens are going up, but I want to ask you all a question. I think life, if we're honest, is made up of many moments. Some of them are good moments, some of them are not so good moments, but when you think of trips and you go somewhere, you don't think of all the driving in the car, the kind of boring times, or maybe the kids are fighting or whatever it might be. You think of those times where that kind of brought joy, brought the family together, those few times, maybe, I don't know, but uh, those are the things we seem to remember. And when I look back at my own life, some of the great moments, of course, I think about uh, my wedding, my marriage to Veronica, the birth of our daughters. I think of graduations and other weddings of family members. But as I was thinking this, I was thinking of uh, just a unique experience When I was a senior in high school, and we have a bunch of, several graduates here that just graduated from uh, Hilton Head High School, and uh, when I graduated, I grew up in the Northern Virginia area, we all went to Beach Week. And by the way, parents, don't let your kids go to Beach Week, I'm just letting you know. (laughs) Just not a good thing. So, but anyway, um, I had a good time. But I went there, and uh, during the week, uh, um, one day we decided to play volleyball. We were staying in this rat-infested hotel, and we went to this really nice one, um, we saw some kids playing volleyball, and me and one of my buddies, we ended up playing volleyball for like two, three hours, and uh, these guys went to a neighboring high school, and we didn't know them. I mean, it was Northern Virginia, but we found out we played sports against each other, and four of these guys that were playing ended up becoming some of my best friends because they ended up going to my college at Virginia Tech, and we had to stumble across each other when we were walking across the drill field one day and uh, through some other uh, crazy connections. Every year, uh, when I can, we have like a guy's trip where these same guys that I just happened to stumble across, uh, we, we go on a trip somewhere in the States. Many of them went to my wedding, and it's just so crazy somehow these moments that don't seem so significant at the time are very significant. All of us have had these big experiences in life, whether it's a wedding, a, uh, a job, a promotion, graduating from high school graduating from preschool, as my daughter just did. Whatever it might be, we have these moments that we remember. You know, in the business world, people are recognizing the power of moments. And there's a book called The Power of Moments, okay? And in this book, they've they've realized, a lot of companies are realizing, we just can't just have, like, a nice hotel or a nice school. We've got to create moments so people remember this and want to come back. And one of the stories they share in the beginning of the book is about this hotel in... uh, California, and it's not a nice hotel, like the decor hasn't changed in 30 years, but they have a popsicle phone. And when you call on the popsicle phone, they ask you what type of popsicle you want, and someone comes out dressed in a tuxedo with a silver platter and has popsicles unlimited for your kids. The reviews on Google, on Amazon, are just, or not Amazon, or I'm thinking of shopping, but the reviews are out of this world. People remember the popsicle phone. They don't remember the dated hotel room. And they have other things they do that helps to create these lasting moments. You know, in the church this week, we had some lasting moments with the VBS. And if you haven't seen the decorations and 
all that we did, you need to take a walk after the service through the hall. The idea was that we could not only create lasting moments, but these kids would understand about God's salvation plan for their life, how God loves them. God wants them to know this. We had one kid who shared with his parents one evening, do you know that God loves me even when I do bad things? Now, I don't know if the kid was using this so he could keep doing bad things, but hey, he remembered what we were talking about in VBS. Our high school students that we're going to pray for here after the sermon are going to uh, Dominican Republic, and later we have a group going to uh, Honduras. And they're going to create some lasting moments too as they share God's love with people from a different country, a different culture, as they build some houses uh, for some people in need. See, these lasting moments are super important in life. But if we're honest, sometimes our moments aren't always so happy. Maybe we get that speeding ticket. Maybe our air conditioning breaks in the middle of the summer and we don't have $5,000 to buy a new one. Maybe we have a uh, car accident, a divorce, a death that we weren't expecting in our family. Something comes and kind of takes us off the path and shakes us up a little bit. What do we do with these kind of events, these kind of moments? Well, today I'm going to talk to you about a moment that happened 2,000 years ago. And the great thing about this moment was this moment is a moment that can last in your life. It can not only help you celebrate the good times, but can help you when you get these hard, difficult times in life to know that there's hope, there's know that there's a purpose and even a plan in them. Well, let me set the scene about this moment. You see, 2,000 years ago, around 2,000 years ago, okay, Jesus' disciples, Jesus was crucified under a cross. They were all freaking out. Now what do we do? This was a bad moment. They decided to go tend his grave, and when they went there, they found the gigantic stone boulder. It was not in front of the hole anymore. They went in and found the tomb was empty. They're like, what is going on? And Mary Magdalene was outside and met the risen Jesus. The disciples probably thought she was half crazy, hallucinating. So they went in the upper room where they had locked doors because they were hiding, because they were scared for their lives. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. And the first thing he says to them is, peace be with you. And I think he said that because he was supposed to be dead. And he said, peace be with you. I'm sure when he said that, they were like shaking like crazy. He said it twice during that time. Then he appeared to Thomas, who was the doubting Thomas, like any of us would have been, who hadn't seen the risen Jesus. Appeared to the disciples numerous times. And then the last time, he appeared to 120 believers. And they were believers because they had seen the risen Christ. And he tells them about a great moment that's about to happen to all of them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice he didn't say to him, okay, here's a five-point strategy for growing the church. We need to have a marketing guy. We need to have, like, you know, somebody to go out into the field and see what people want. No, he just said, you need to just wait, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be an incredible moment. So that's exactly what happened. They were all together in one place. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know what that meant. And all of a sudden, they all start speaking other languages, And the significance was this was Jerusalem. This was like the cultural hub. It was the place where trade and merchants went. It's a place where all the Jews from different, uh, all the known world would gather for religious meetings, conferences, if you want to say it that way. 
And the difference with what they were speaking, it wasn't, they weren't just babbling like in the Old Testament with the Tower of Babel when man was trying to say, you know what, we don't really need God, we're going to try to become gods. And then God ended up uh, ruining their plans and they ended up getting dispersed all over the world. Well, in this account, this real account of what happened, the people started saying, hey, wait, they're speaking my language, they're speaking my language. Everybody started hearing their languages speaking. It was a miracle. And after this, Peter, who was part of this, and was like, whoa, this is crazy, ends up preaching the first sermon. And he tells people how they'd all seen the risen Christ. He tells people about uh, what Jesus had done for them on the cross. And then people said, well, what do we do? What do we need to do to be saved, to experience this? And he said, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll receive forgiveness of sins. And 3,000 people, this was a big place, all right, Jerusalem, came to faith. And all of a sudden, the 120, we started with the 12 to the 120, till 3,000, to this day, millions of, and millions of people have trusted Christ and decided to follow him with their whole lives. In the church, we have this red here. This isn't just because it's a pretty color. Red means the fire of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Holy Spirit to celebrate this event. In Eastern churches in the Eastern part of the world, they were green to talk about the life that the Holy Spirit brings to people, even when people are facing struggles. See, this event is known as the Pentecost. And I want to talk about three things uh, briefly that the Pentecost not only brought to the disciples, but it can bring to your life and my life so we can experience this life and joy even when we go through hardships and we have those moments that aren't so great. The first thing is it brought them together. Notice after Jesus' death, they were all kind of hiding. They were skittish. They were in this upper room. And all of a sudden, when the 120 or probably more at that point were gathered there waiting for the Holy Spirit, they were right in the wide open. They were like, we're not scared anymore. Our friend died and he came back to life. This eternal life thing is real. So they were gathered together in one place. And when it happened, people heard all these languages. Some people said they had too much to drink. They were drunk. But when Peter started his sermon, he was like, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. I guess it wasn't common to like, you know, start your day off with several drinks, with mimosas or anything like that. But they, uh, that's when Peter delivered the sermon. He said, no, this is real. After the sermon, the disciples, it says this, it says, and all the believers, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed. And listen to this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions and gave to everyone who was in need. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, this event gathered people. It gathered them uh, so they were no longer just kind of operating on their own or hiding up in rooms. And they didn't just stay there in this kind of fake utopia where people had fake smiles on their face like this, you know. It was a real deal. They were sharing life together. And they were doing it all over the known world. It started to spread, just like when you throw a rock in the water and you see those little rings that start. This message started to spread from this unity that started in the very beginning. The Apostle Paul later talked about the spirit-filled ministry of the church. And he said, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. In other words, we're all unique. It's not that everybody looks the same and dresses the same with like plaid pants or something like that. No, we're all unique, but we're all part of this one body to share the life, to share the hope and joy that we have 
and the Holy Spirit. It brought people together. This first Pentecost did, and it started to spread this gospel message. The second thing, it gave people a purpose. They didn't just gather and say, now what do we do? They understood that this message was, they were charged with this message of reconciliation, this message of forgiving people, of telling people about the forgiveness that is available only through Christ who can forgive their sins. Jesus, when he was in the upper room, it's kind of a weird passage. It says, he said to the disciples, "If if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. If you take this on its own, it's like, whoa, is he making the disciples like they're gods or something? No, what he was saying is, you're connected to me. You're going to be this part of this message of reconciliation to the whole world. You're going to tell people about the forgiveness that comes through Christ. Apostle Paul later wrote this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Peter's sermon, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. This forgiveness was deep, that the early church said. It not only connected people to God, it connected people to each other. It wasn't like, I forgive you, but I hate you. It was, I forgive you, and I want to be restored with you. I want to have a right relationship with you. And because the early church did this, it wasn't just like a lip-syncing kind of faith. It was a whole self-in faith. The church grew. This forgiveness they talked about was not only being connected to God in a right relationship who forgave their sins, but it transformed and renewed and restored broken relationships. The third impact of this event of the Pentecost was it brought peace to people that the world could not uh, bring. So often our world brings chaos and fear, just like when they were in the upper room. But Jesus uh, said this to his disciples before the upper room, I have told you these things so that you, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus told them about the peace, and then the, the disciples experienced the peace because they realized that death or sickness or hardship or a bad moment would not have the final word in their lives. That eternal life was real. They saw it with their own eyes. So then when the apostle Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It wasn't empty words. He felt peace. He wrote that letter when he was in prison. It was a reality in their lives, and it can be a reality in your life too. It doesn't mean that we'll have a life with no hardships, and we'll walk around in this zen-like trance where we never have uh, any problems. No, if anything, following Christ wakes you up, and you experience things more intensely. When people have a rough time, it breaks your heart because you care about people and you love people. Brokenness hurts you. You want to restore things because God has commissioned you to be part of this message of restoration, of redemption, of telling people about the God who can restore all things. The Pentecost brought peace. It brought people together. It reconciled people to God and each other. And it brought them a peace that passes all understanding. So what are we going to do about this message today? Well, first of all, God is calling all of you all to be Pentecostal believers. That doesn't mean you have to jump up and down and, you know, uh, clap your hands and wave your hands. I mean, if you want to, you can. There's a lot to celebrate. 
But God is calling us to be Pentecostal Christians in that, A, that we come together as believers, as a body. B, just like the Pentecost, we want to share this message of forgiveness with others. And C, that we too can experience peace and bring peace to a world that needs it so much. You know, a lot of times when we hear this, like, that sounds good, Steve. You're just speaking a bunch of religious words, but I'm just going to try to do life on my own. I'm a good person. Well, the gospel tells us on our own, we're not good. We'll never be good enough. We need Christ. We need a Savior. We need somebody who will walk with us through life. God is with us, Emmanuel, so that we can live life through the ups and downs. Perhaps you say, well, maybe when I'm older, I'll do it, especially for you younger people here. For your older people, I mean, we don't know how much time we have, right? But, um, but uh, you know, even with that, it reminded me of a story. There was a tourist who approached this old man in this uh, famous old city, and he said, excuse me to the old man, were there any famous men or women that were born in this city? The old man thought for a second, and he said, no, there was only great babies that were born in the city. <laughs> so in other words... All of us are work in progress. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's like a new birth. He never leaves us in one place. We're growing, and we're growing our understanding of this. When we find out we're flawed, we have difficult loving the annoying person next to us, we rely more on Christ and realize that we're annoying too, and we need God's help not only to love others, but to love ourselves. So yes, this message is for everyone. Everyone here is called to be a Pentecost Christian every day. Finally, for us as a church, yes, the Pentecost was considered the birth, uh, birthday of the church, the beginning of the church, but we're called to create these moments where people can experience this, not just on Sunday morning when we're up here talking. That's why we did the VBS. That's why we have like the Dominican trip and the Honduras trip. We have people going to the prisons. We have people going to the hospitals here. Someone asked me one time, well, why are you going to the Dominican when people next door need help? Or why are you going to Honduras? Well, because Jesus told us to. I'm just obeying him. He said to love your neighbor as yourself. He said in the Great Commission to go into the whole world and share the gospel. So we're just doing what he said. That's why we go to these places. Yeah, we learn a lot and our, our vision of the world becomes bigger. But we're called to do this with everybody. And it does create amazing moments for these kids to connect with God on a deeper level. Just like VBS does. Just like Alpha, some of you are part of it. The discovery class, some of the things we do here and some of the other things that are going on in the island. So yeah, as a church, we're called to create these moments. You know, in VBS, to conclude my sermon, they're going to come up in a few minutes to do a final song because I figured that was better than any conclusion I can do. But they learned a few things this week. They learned that God made them. They learned that God desires to be with them. They learned that on their own, they can't do it. They need a savior. They learned that God is with them. Always, even when they're bad. And they also learned that they get to participate in what God is doing in the world. And here, in Dominican Republic, in Africa, in Asia, Australia, all over the place, to share this love with other people, to share the hope they have in the gospel. See, we're all called to be Pentecost kind of Christians. So to end, I thought I would get the children to come on up and sing a song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus, and it'll be a reminder to all of us that we too are called to do that every day.